Here we go. In five, four. We have a tech. Three. All the way from five. Two. <laughs> and we don't say the one. Smoking, smoking, smoking. That particular uh, bumper music is some of the most smoking music I've ever heard. And you know what? Tonight, we have a good portion of the people responsible for that particular song here on stage with with, uh, Jim and me. It's season two, kind of, of On Stage with Jim and Tom. We've had a hiatus, and now, my goodness, we're back. Yeah, and it's it's exciting time here because really... Uh, this is it. We have the musicians, musicians here tonight. It is a band that has been listed as an influence for many musicians who have come through and played on this stage. Yeah. And it's a band that, as important as it was to its fans, was also very important to its four members who mm, are here truth. tonight. Paul Hale, Lauren Hale, Naveed Manucheri, and Ian Simpson, whose friendships, musical paths, and lives were changed forever after forming this project. So tonight we welcome... Not to reason why. Absolutely. Wow. It's quite a... Did you, clapping did you write that? That was That's fantastic. beautiful, Jim. It is. I love it. Right if we all died in a, cra- in like a car crash, then you could say that at our, at our uh, <laughs> funeral. We'll have to get <laughs> or the mass grave that we'll be buried in. <laughs> <laughs> so the band, Not to Reason Why, never officially broke up publicly or anything. Uh, Paul, Lorne, and Avid have gone on to play in Trebuchet, which is a folk rock indie something. band it's something post folk ian has played in uh creative adult and no sir uh-huh. and uh which are two punk rock bands right we don't know what's going to happen in the future nobody knows what's going to happen at least we can have this experience to just sort of like memorialize and talk about what the experience of not to reason why was mm-hmm. and now let's move mm-hmm. away from not to reason why for a moment <laughs> and uh talk about the theme song of on stage with jim and tom Okay. Ian uh, is obviously embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> of that song? <laughs> While it's playing, he's like poking his eyes, I poking just... his own eyes out, and like flushing red. <laughs> I was actually really impressed and, not, and also at the same time not surprised <laughs> because, I mean, they're jingle geniuses. <laughs> jingle Thank geniuses. you so much for yeah. saying that because I have been waiting for, th- this is now our 20th episode that we're putting oh, out. Oh, no wow. way. And, far out, man. And, 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 and thank you, Tom, for being a part of everyone. Uh, I can't even count that high. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been thinking, God damn it, it's going to be so much fun to have Paul Hale on, and we can just like play jingles and enjoy them and share them with people because really, there's really no good platform for the jingles. You know what I mean? No. Like a lot of people aren't even aw- <laughs> a lot of people aren't even aware that the Naveed people didn't- I make them for won't use them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have jingle geniuses here tonight, and my God, I mean, I'm going to turn it over to, to Naveed and Paul. Oh. Uh, let's let's lift, give the show over to you guys and let's talk jingles. You can lead them in, and we can provide commentary after you play them. Oh, oh, great. Oh, we have them. I, I, maybe. Wow, <laughs> just how conveniently set up here. So, no, so we're going right to we're gonna come back to Not to Reason Why. Not yeah. to Reason Why is old news. Jingles are the yeah. new shit. Well, we've been doing the jingles for uh, since college. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I think we need to go a little farther back from what I understand. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Here we go. Uh, there's an influence in your life as far as jingles goes, isn't there? I, I, I would have is. to say that there is. Yeah, absolutely. Who, who is that fantastic influence? That uh, Connie is, Hale, my mother, Connie <laughs> Hale. <laughs> How is she an influence, would you say? Well, when we were growing up, she was somewhat of a jingle writer herself <laughs> with just things that occurred any given day. <laughs> do, do you have an example? Um, graduation day. Graduation. So every, so every time someone graduated, which I have three brothers... So, like, there's a lot of graduating. You know, you graduate elementary school, you graduate high school, you graduate junior high school. So, there's a song, Graduation Day, and it goes, Graduation Day, Graduation Day. That's the whole song. (laughs) (laughs) So, we we hear that every time. The the worst one, though, I think, not because it's a bad song, love you, Mom, but uh, (laughs) because it was the worst day of the year. 
Back to school. Oh, and there's <laughs> that one go? Back to school. La, 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 back to school. Done. Now, <laughs> yeah, that has influenced you both through these jingles and some of your own personal ones that never got recorded. Wasn't there a song, Two Pairs of Socks? Oh, classic. That oh, one is yeah. a Paul Hill original. I still sing that song. <laughs> yeah. so I, I wouldn't really call it a jingle. It's just more of like a, a, a song for your life, well, I how guess. Does, how, does it, how does it go? The four of you want to try a Two Pairs of Socks <laughs> rendition? <laughs> <I said that. laughs> I'll let you take it away. Two Pairs of Socks. Two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks. It's pretty much the same thing. Two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks, two pairs of socks. But you know, so whenever you're putting on socksy, and that probably comes into well, no, two pairs of socks. It's for the cold weather. This is what I find so fascinating. Where in her generation did she learn to be so concise and spare in her writing and yet say so much? That's well, true. she's a songwriter herself. Apparently. That's true. She does yeah. write real songs. Can you because sing my favorite one? My favorite Connie Hale original. Not Paul Hale original. Paul has so many. Um, my favorite Connie Hale original is the one about the dog. Can you sing the one about the dog? The, the herring? The one? herring. I love a dog named Herring because he is always wearing a beautiful shiny coat. Boom, boom. A shiny, shiny coat. Boom, boom. A beautiful shiny coat of black and tan. Black and tan. That one is amazing. Oh, my God. I know. It's really good. But there are some more polished ones, which you guys have taken to the studio. Yes. Yes. But of course there are. Of, of course. Was the first one the... Um, the first one might have been Josh and Josh, or when yeah. You, when you do say Josh get, and yeah. Josh, you mean Pillow Storm? Pillow Storm? Yes. Yeah. Pillow Storm, by the way, is a show that you can hear on KWTF. It's Love a great project. Well, let's see yeah, if this is really it. Is. Ben Sorry and oh, what a great crew. Here we go. So you're listening to the radio and you wanna hear some cool songs. We'll gather around, boys and girls, prepare to sing along. Are the two most awesome dudes you're ever gonna meet? You're ever gonna meet. So sit on down, knock it on up. It's time to move your feet. Move your feet. Cause it's Josh and Josh. Josh and Josh. Josh and Josh on Pillow Storm. Josh and Josh on Pillow And as long as we're, as long as we're doing shout-outs, I should say that Pillow Storm was really the precursor to this show as well. Mm. Tom yeah. and I were on Pillow Storm yeah, in 2010, Storm, and we were telling bet. Phoenix stories and just kind of going back and forth. And uh, that was sort of a seed that was planted for us to do this project. You know, and I got to say uh, that I, I hear so much of uh, <laughs> Connie Hale meets Frank, <laughs> meets Frank Zappa. In that oh, well, I'm know, a big Frank Zappa fan. Yeah. Also, Paul's dad is a big Frank. So Connie's uh, husband, perfect. Todd, is yeah. a great big Frank Zappa fan. I think Jenna's is probably Yeah, next. if we're doing chron- chronologically, yeah, Jenna's is next. Um, she had a little radio show on K-Sun Radio, Sonoma State University, Rohnert Park, California. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting live from K-Sun Radio at Sonoma State University in Rohnert Park, California, it's Jenna Hornbrook with Love and Boner. She's got size, she's got class, she's gonna make you shake your She's so cool, she's so chill. So be sure to get your food. The voice of an angel you want to hear over and over. Everybody for Jenna's name on her. She brings a good time. She brings the boner. She brings a dope vibe. She brings the boner. All over the world and from corner to corner. Everybody for Jenna's name on her. She brings a good time. She brings the boner. She brings a dope vibe. She brings the boner. All over the world and from corner. I'm sorry, what was that word? <laughs> Le bonheur. Oh, like Le the good bonheur. times. It's French. Then um, the hot dog one? Yeah. So yeah. we go to this oh, yeah. hot doggery. Oh, yes. Um, it's in the auction yard here in Petaluma. <laughs> we wrote them a jingle and they like, put you, it on the website. Did they ask you for a jingle? Nope. No. No. We no just, one really this has. This was an unsolicited <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was. And here we go. Chicago Doggery, where you can find great hot dogs, tasty beef sandwiches, and service that'll put a smile on your face. 
located at 84 Corona Road in the auction yard, Petaluma. Makes me hungry. And you yeah. presented that to Royce? Yeah, we yeah, gave we it to him. And what did they do with it? They threw him out. Put it on the website? Did they? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? That's a great tune. Because you've made things for people before that have been turned down, right? Um, um, yeah, like the VIP stuff. The VIP one. Yeah. Thanks, oh, Devin, no. if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> do you have Don't that worry, one? I, do you, I do. We should hear one that's been turned down. Yeah, Here it is. I, I, yeah, let's hear that. VIP. Very important pet care. <laughs> That's it. That's not the like. <laughs> I don't know. What, very important what? Pet, pet care. care. Let's hear it again. Pet care. That's a problem. VIP. Very important pet care. Oh, that works. I mean, it seems real, right? I would, my, I would send my dog there. Yeah. And my dog's an internet celebrity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now, you guys are going to open up a jingle factory. Is that correct? That's a dream of mine to do. Yeah. We, I mean, we have it. It's open. Jingle yeah. factory. It is. It's open for open business. For business. Yeah. And people can come here and they can sign up and get some jingles. Yeah, we'll write jingles for anything. No one ever yeah. goes in and no one ever comes out. And they got a jingle about that, too. <laughs> do we have anything more to share? Well, there's a little little snippets here and there. This is one of my favorites. The seven inch it's time for the seven inch showdown. It's time for the seven inch showdown. Because I've got a seven incher and you've got a seven incher. And I've got a seven incher. And we made a sign the seven incher is home. That was rejected, I believe. Oh, yes, was, that was rejected. What was that about? What, the, what show was seven that? Inch, that's uh, Pillow Storm. Seven inch oh, showdowns when they like put showdown. three seven inches up on Facebook and they let people <laughs> decide which one got played. I was going to say, if you want to learn how to, if, if writing jingles is something you're interested in doing, I think listening to uh, these people's work uh, is a great primer in exactly how to do that very thing. Well, what I love about it is not to reason why, if you listen to it, sort of mysterious in the music, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that the people who are writing the music for not to reason why uh, would come up with stuff like that. So, you know, and it's an eclectic group. Um, you can make light of the jingles because they are light and fun. But the work is clean and, and professional, and, and the harmonies are absolutely beautiful, yeah, truly. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, so back to Not Your Reason Why. A lot of the musicians in Sonoma County, like I said, have cited you guys as influences. I think it feels a little bit undeserving when it comes, especially from people that you mutually respect, that you are inspired by. It's mm -hmm. weird to... Find out that you inspire them too, at least for me. <clears throat> you guys feel the same way about them. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and it dawns on me, boy, uh, in the last 20 years in Sonoma County, it has been a very strong and very fertile musical uh, family of mm -hmm. players and, and uh, singers and, and all of that. Uh, and what is that like? Is, do you think every locale has that same amount of talent coming from it? Or is this a very special place? Or is it happening all over the country like this, do you think? I think this is a special place only because I didn't grow up here and I moved here when I was when I went to Sonoma State, so I was, you know, eighteen or nineteen. But prior to moving to Sonoma County I didn't I wasn't aware of any local music scene that's like this. You know, I know there are many across the country, but at least where I came from, there weren't people in bands for generations playing for each other like they are here. There's just a lot of institutions and people who make it possible. But that's why Not Your Reason Why is significant for you guys, because before you were in that band, you were on the other side of the stage, largely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you yeah. guys had, you'd all played in bands before Not Your Reason Why? I hadn't really. Kind of. I, I had. De Naveed definitely had. I, did. I know Ian mm -hmm. had. Yeah, yeah. And Ian had, yeah, absolutely. Um, prior to that, you guys had, mostly when you'd go to shows, you would be fans. Yes. You wouldn't be performers. Absolutely. Not Your Reason Why changed that. You guys started, and then you got known, you released several albums, and by the end of it, you were pretty locally well-known by your fellow musician and fans. What was that like? What, was, what, was, what were the beginning Not To Reason Why shows like compared to the <laughs> oh, end ones? Oh, no. Um, Our first, first show one. was in the backyard. Kevin mm -hmm. Wackers. Kevin oh, yeah. Wackers' My birthday. high school friend. Uh, Pengrove. Like his parents, I think, I think they were I very confused. They were. Everyone was confused because there's no singing. They're standing yeah. there waiting for the singing to start for like 20 minutes. And then it was <laughs> and over. Then <laughs> <laughs> and I think I wore gloves because I was cold and yeah. then I didn't play very well. Uh -huh. <laughs> when you were first playing shows, there's like you kind of have to prove yourself to the audience. You yeah. kind of have to prove yourself to your fellow musicians. I mean, mm -hmm. even with Tom and I show, first inviting people onto this thing, <laughs> it was kind of like, well, what the fuck is it? Like, who are you? What are you guys, <laughs> yeah, what are you guys doing? doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? And especially when you're playing a sort of music that a lot of people aren't playing. Mm -hmm. 
saying, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's scary, but it's sort of, it's, it's, it's a whole to do mm-hmm. to establish a band. That's true. And you guys did it. I remember uh, one of our first shows we played at Gale's. And Perfect. I think it was with Furlong, which was Elliot Whitehurst and Schuld. Yeah, cool band. Civilies oh, yeah, old yeah. band. Uh, and who else played that? And I maybe Santiago played that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. the audience about Gales. I mean, okay, well, Gales dive? is a dive it's in a dive Petaluma, bar. and someone Petaluma's got stabbed there. Favorite dive. Yeah. Someone got stabbed there. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we played there. It's pretty small. We're pretty loud, and but my the absolute highlight for me was that. Uh, Josh Staples and Sarah Singer were there and they were just watching and there were maybe 10 other people there to watch us. And mm-hmm. the, but two of, you know, two of my basically, you know, musician crushes were there and I remember Sarah clapping like way above her head and I was like, "Oh, she likes us and they're here to watch us." And it was like probably our fourth or fifth show and that was just like such a big deal for me. So that strikes you as like a big initial yeah. moment in the band. Like, hey, if they like us, maybe other people will like us too. <laughs> <laughs> On that night, did you guys like the music you were playing? Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. I, mean, so, I think we all always really believed in it. So when you're playing this stuff and you finally see somebody that likes it, does that surprise you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little bit. There's always people, well, especially with Not Reason Why has little to no singing. In the, in the beginning, yeah. there was absolutely no singing and i think for a lot of people that's confusing but we always tried to be really um we always tried to be intentional about making it melodic so there was something to follow it's not just a bunch of it's not just music that should have singing but there's just chord changes and nothing is happening so we i think we all really you know you we believed to be in accepted. it but people yeah. don't always get it yeah. That's funny because, you know, when you're a kid, you grow up listening to a lot of band stuff that your parents, well, in my generation, symphonies, mm-hmm. uh, the, the marching bands and all of that. Bands without vocals were really quite common when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, if you get into movie soundtracks, some of the greatest music ever written, oh my God, mm-hmm. are movie soundtracks and not a word in it. I think I started describing Not to Reason Why to a certain generation of people as it's sort of like soundtrack music. Yeah. Yeah. Instrumental rock isn't necessarily strong right now, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to be a But big, it was. But it was. And you know, I think sometimes the music will speak for itself though. Mm-hmm. If, if the right band came out with the right with the right stuff. I've always been shocked at how people sort of are put off by instrumental music. And uh, they don't say like I hate it. It's just they don't gravitate to it as much. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, how many times did you have this happen? Adults listening to it and saying something like, "You know, it'd be really great if people got a vocalist." <laughs> oh, every <laughs> adult. Oh, every time. Every time. Well, we we uh, we played the Bohemian Award show. I forget what year it was, oh, but we yeah, got yeah. we got like a 25 uh, bottle case of beer we're playing in front of all these adults and by the first song we've cleared the room and oh, nobody was getting it right and i mean we were pretty much there used was to that. a lady dancing oh I mean, <laughs> we dancing. always had a spirit dancer it's sebastopol too. so yeah. uh, okay you know you mentioned that was the bohemian show yeah. there's an article uh that has you guys in it and mm-hmm. it's written by gabe Moline, and you, you mentioned you got paid in beer to play it yeah there's a really funny line about you and it says um Ian admires house parties and beer. But the rest of the band leads decidedly un-rock and roll lifestyles. Yep. But, but Ian admires rock and uh, What article was this? Parties and beer. That okay. was the article where it, it was said, uh, what is music? And it, he asked each of you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember is. that. And you said that Iggy Pop says it better than I ever could say it. Music is so powerful that it's quite beyond my control. And when I'm in the grips of it, I don't feel pleasure and I don't feel pain. I just feel pure emotion. Uh huh. Yeah, Ian Simpson. Yeah, larger quotes around yeah. what Iggy good, Pop. Good memory. Did you actually pull that off the top of your head? Well, that's actually a, a, a sound sample in, in a wow. in a Mogwai song. I think it it's a. Uh, hmm. I, I forget which record. Full circle synergy. I mean, I was only the band because Ian made me be in a band with him. Yeah, I remember that. There's a great story about that. Well, there's a story. I'm sure we've told it before, but you can go ahead. Uh, I actually don't really remember it at all. Okay, so well, then maybe that's because we were at a house party. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you admire <laughs> those things. We were on the, well it was on beer. the east side of Petaluma. A bunch of our friends from Sonoma State lived in a house together on the east side of Petaluma. And Ian frequented those parties. And I believe, I, I mean, I rarely went, but I was there one day. At the time, my, <laughs> oh man. At the time, <laughs> my nickname was Count Torbacula. Yeah. What, what does that mean? It means I was tore back all the time. Oh, okay. 
I was I was always drunk. the count. Is it the for first short? time I that I met Ian was at a house party at mm-hmm. the Donner House, and he just kind of waltzed up to me and said, "I heard you're a shredding pianist." <laughs> and I, I was that? like, I don't even know what that means, but I just re- I distinctly remember having like the uh, the thought, I'm never going to talk to this guy ever again. And then I walked away, and then I didn't see. No, no, no. I, and then he said, and then he said. You're going to be in a band with me someday. And then he left. And I was yeah. like, that's never going to happen. But turns out Ian is a prophet. Paul and I graduated from Sonoma State in 2006. And then the summer after that, I remember, I think the three of you were playing music together in Naveed's barn. And yeah. then mm-hmm. I just, I guess I ended up there one day. <laughs> and that was actually before you and Paul started dating. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Not to reason why it predates Paul and I's relationship. Yeah. And now we are married. I was really, really into instrumental rock at the time, and I thought a keyboardist was very crucial. You know, it's kind of it, was a, it was a unique piece yeah. to uh, to have in that style of music. I think because it was always just like guitar, guitar, bass, drums. Yeah, with certain bands having kind of set other. us apart. One of the things I like so much about you guys is you sort of can't really be boxed in. You know, a lot of people's introduction to you was the instrumental post-rock of Not to Reason Why. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Ian in, in punk bands now, and Paul and Lauren are very involved with their church. Mm-hmm. And Naveed, of course, uh, works He's a at, foodie. He's a foodie. And so you, you guys just are coming from all these disparate places, and it's, it's kind of cool because a lot of, <laughs> it seems like most people in the world fall into stereotypes, and they just sort of are in a box, and you guys are very much so not, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. But on the faith thing, I wanted to talk about that, if you're comfortable with that. Sure. Because you guys don't fall, transition. You you don't fall yeah. into the stereotype of what people would assume when they think mm. Christians. And in the relatively godless atheist world of indie rock... <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, I guess it is. Is it? I would say so. How many times have you seen people react negatively to a mention of Christ or faith? Uh, Often, but not knowing that I'm a Christian or that Paul is a Christian. Normally it comes off the cuff. You know, people are speaking openly about their disdain (laughs) for Christianity or God, which I don't fault them on. (laughs) Uh, And that's really... I don't think people have ever I, I've never experienced anyone saying something like directed at me personally. It's such a godless area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a very liberal and usually that correlates with you know godlessness. Pe- yeah, totally. This area is also very accepting. And when you tell someone like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, they, they, it's not like they're like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, that's stupid. And let me tell you why. Usually most people are polite and will be like, oh, cool, man. You know? No, no, look, I have a very warped view of what God might be, believe it or not. I well, Share well, with us what that well, is. The thing that I remember the most when I was very much younger, someone told me at a dark time, I'm like, well, when I was a kid even, dude, if you're ever afraid, uh, Christ said, if you call on me, I will, I will walk with you. Uh, Son of a gun. I love that thought. So there's been many dark moments in my life where I've called on Christ. You said you would do this, and I'm calling you to be here now. And that's what's got me through, because at at those times, I don't feel like I'm alone. And it gives me a center to think and consider where I'm at and consider what my moves might be, and I feel as though I've got some backing on that. That's why I like Christ so much. There's a couple other things. The, The story in the Garden of Gethsemane, I thought, is a fascinating story. Here was a man, if it went down this way, that saw the Roman soldiers coming to take him. Uh, He was so believing, and he had such strong faith, he let those people come and take him, knowing what he would be facing. That's an act of faith that I wish I could have if, if the moment, if I were called upon, would I have that strength in me? I think that's a very strong thing to do. And that's what pulled me to Christ as well. But at the same time, he said, I will be your conduit to God. I don't know what that means. I don't know what God could be. Is God... All of us together is one. Is God a, a single being? I don't know what God is, but I know I believe that Christ is my conduit to that God. That's why I like Christ. That's why I love Christ. And that's why I call on Christ most of the times. And honest to God, I mean, when, when you're running a place like this, and there are moments where you have no idea what, how in the hell did this even happen? How, how do we keep this thing going like this? <laughs> Christ, he's been there the whole time. Every time I've felt... Like, we can't go on any farther. Boom, Christ, I want to keep going. Well, all right, uh, do it. Well, really, that's it? Yep, just go ahead and do it. Okay, thank you, Christ. I'll do it. 
Is that his voice? <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, actually, that's yeah. what I've heard too. Yeah, yeah cool, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> He's kind of so. laid back. He's a little bit like the dude, and sometimes he gets a little dopey, but that's okay with me. Yeah. I'd imagine Paul and Lauren could identify with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ian, do you think there's a god? Do I? Th- no. I don't. N- Naveed? No. Tom, Paul, and Lauren, they find support in, in Jesus or God, and I find support in my family and my friends, and to me, they're my God, I guess, if, if you want to put it that way. I actually read this book called Stranger in a Strange Land. It was sci-fi, and uh, it actually predicted the, what is it called when you go into a big stadium and people are worshiping? What's that called? Can Corporate you guys worship? <laughs> Corporate worship, but it, okay. I don't know. It's, it's a specific kind of thing, and, and the author... Uh, Heinlein, you guys are familiar with him? He he wrote he wrote Starship Troopers. Okay, yeah. But he kind of put that in his book before it wasn't actually a thing. He like predicted it that it was going to become a corporate thing. And in the book, they talk about your friends and family being God, like thou art God. And I don't believe in Jesus or God, but I believe in my friends and family, and they've always been there for me when I've been struggling. And uh, Paul and Lauren have always been there when I'm struggling they give me scripture and stuff when I read it. And I, you know, sometimes it's inspiring and sometimes it's not, but it's still there for me and I appreciate it. And so, yeah, I guess that's my answer. Yeah. It's just interesting. The way Tom put it is a very good argument for if you don't believe in Christ, trying to come upon that faith. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a good argument for it. It's you know? a fascinating uh-huh. argument that he's got because truthfully, if I look back on my life, uh, I am quite the uh, loner. When you get right down to it. And so many people would disagree with that statement. Weird, isn't it? Uh, But I don't have, uh, certainly don't have a lot of family. Uh, And our family was strong as a family, kind of. But uh, the individuality was so there that, uh, no, I've always felt uh, a little bit of aloneness in this world. And maybe that's a a key thread that keeps coming through on, on the belief in Christ. But that doesn't cause you despair. No, no. I, so many people feel lonely, and they feel so much despair. We yeah. had that whole episode on it. I you, you don't feel it. despair. Yeah. You actually feel comfort. I don't. You know, yeah. I'm in a business, though, truthfully. I, I'm surrounded by people all day long when I'm finally done. Oh, do I love being alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really do. For me, like, I guess the beauty of life and everything has been that, if how I believe it, there is no like supreme being, however you might think of it, that how amazing it is that we've been able to accomplish the things we have. And I think that for me, what like quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. Um, God (laughs) is, is just like innate human kindness and deep down knowing that like, just like being good to each other, which I think is what a lot of like all religions teachings are at their core you tear away all the fluff and everything. Like that's the most important thing. Just like be good to each other, and it will all work out in the end. I like that. The interesting thing is that I actually have a Bible quote tattooed on my arm. Would you like to read it to us? Oh well, it's. Oh no. Go ahead. Is that a dirty one? No. Oh, <laughs> it's actually it's a dirty from, Bible quote. <laughs> it's a dirty Bible. Yeah, it's actually uh, by Dostoevsky. Um, oh man. From Notes from the Underground. So and it's it, dark and... And, uh, and it's, uh, fathers and teachers, I ponder what is hell. I maintain it's the suffering of being unable to love. So if you can't love somebody, then you're in your own personal hell. And I think that religion has a lot to teach everybody. And it's actually taught me a few things. But I don't put any stock into the supreme being. But I do think that he has a lot of insights on how to treat people. Very cool. You know what I find fascinating, and this is where you and I disagree, although, no, the Bible has some great stuff in it, but I think it's as poorly written as the Constitution of this country. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many holes and loopholes in that thing, and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. I don't know if I fall back on the Bible as much, although that's a beautiful expression. Would you say not to reason why sort of like brought you guys into adulthood? Definitely. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you entered it just as you were like about college age, right? Mm-hmm. What traditionally is the end of college age for people. So you're in it for seven years. That's kind of profound to be in a unit, a sort of self-made family, which a band is, mm-hmm. to sort of like grow with each other and create. I'm sure you like look back at that era and like remember events based on when albums came out, based on mm-hmm. when shows happened, yeah. based mm-hmm. on when tours happened. 
that's an, that's an incredible thing about the creative process is that it, it acts as like little chapter points in your life. You know, for me, uh, a lot of times uh, a guy will come in and say, wow, I, I, I played on your stage before. Oh, wow. What band were you in? And when they tell me the name of the band they were in, I can remember them finally because it's the band names I remember the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I can kind of pick out the individuals from that. So, yeah, that's, they're great markers in a, in a person's life and great markers on a calendar yeah. as well, your, your mm-hmm. musical history. Yeah. The band definitely had a big part in punctuating my life. I mean, lots of uh, milestones were, were met through Not to Reason Why, and that actually helped influence the name of our third record, which mm-hmm. was the Book of Hours, because Book of Hours are these religious manuscripts in, in a Renaissance Europe. Was that what it was? Renaissance mm-hmm. Europe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these, you, you're supposed to use these books, and you're supposed to pray, and you're supposed to, it's basically supposed to be a way to get you through the day. And that's what music was for me. And that's pretty much how it was for the, the seven or eight years that we were in a band. Like, I looked forward to the tours. I looked forward to the shows. I mean, that's, that was my shit. I mean, I... <laughs> the rehearsals? <laughs> did it get you through, though? Hard, yeah, absolutely. Times, absolutely. Yeah. It, it totally did. And uh, it, it, the band was always there for me. The, you know, the Paul, Lauren, and V were always there for me. And it was a big part of my life. There was a moment. You guys played that show in the center of the Phoenix. Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah. You guys all hugged after that show. Do you remember that? Because yeah. I was going through a very terrible point of, of my life. Do you want to tell us what happened there? Because, I mean, that plays into what we're talking about. I right was now. severely anxious and depressed for about two months. And I was agoraphobic, too. I wasn't leaving my house. I was worried that I was going to die, basically, for no reason. I mean, that's what, that's what panic, panic disorder and, and anxiety is. And um, it was very hard for me to even make it to practice. And I remember I met up with the guys, and I, this, 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 our release show had been in the, in the making for months and months and months and months. And um, within those months, I started developing the panic disorder. And I wasn't able to leave my house, and I, was, I, I wasn't going to work. And um, I met up with the guys the, the night before. I'm like, hey, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to have a panic attack in, in the middle of our set, and I'm going to have to walk off. And they were so supportive and loving. And... They're like, hey, if you have a panic attack and you have to walk off, we'll walk off with you. And um, it was a very, very big moment for myself to be able not only to know that my friends were there for me, but to know that I also did it. Like I was able to play a show, a rock and roll show and have a good time and know what it was like to to feel good again. And I don't know, I guess that kind of influenced the hug at the end of the set. Spectacular. You know, um, that's interesting. You guys did that show on the round, and mm-hmm. that and, was... then, and, and nobody knew that I was going through mm-hmm. that, too. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, these three and my girlfriend at the time knew that that was something that I was struggling with. But they put this show together in the round, and you were surrounded by friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were maybe, were there 150 people here probably that night? It was a nice crowd, and you were totally surrounded by friends and support that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes perfect sense, uh, the whole situation in the round. I'm so glad I didn't talk you out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hate stringing power across the floor. I mean, a note on that, though, and this is sort of tying a couple things together. You were surrounded by friends. Yes. But when you're in that mindset, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You still feel isolated, anxious, alone. Tom Gaffey, you're surrounded by people every single day. That's true. You still feel like, like you... Like the loneliest guy like in the... Like the loneliest guy in the world. In the room. What Sometimes, a crazy yeah. thing about the human experience that is. Yeah. Totally. And we all live it, but mm-hmm. we rarely talk about it. So those are two sort of very different examples of the same thing. Huh. Did that show have something to do with you breaking out of that horrible uh, period? That or, show was really fun and exciting, and it made me... It kind of reminded me of what it was like to be normal again. But I, I mean, I think I was continued to be anxious and depressed for another month after that before I actually started, you know, doing some hard work with myself. It helped you through. Exactly. And the band helped you through some exactly. things too. And that's powerful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a lot of love in the room that night. Oh, there really was. That was a glorious night. One thing I love about you, Tom Gaffey, is... Uh, you didn't like it that they set up in the round? Not at all. And you went to them afterwards, after this wonderful night, and you're like, well, now every band's going to want to set up in the middle of the room. <laughs> you did say that. I did, yes. It was beautiful. Oh, my God. That's a big moment in the history of Not Reason Why, that show. Yes. 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 Do any other moments 
any of you strike you as wow milestone in my life chapter point important moment we played a um a show in santa rosa at the what was that 600 house yeah uh-huh. at yeah. the 600 house was a popular house venue it's on santa rosa avenue it's 600 santa rosa avenue if you want to go visit it and see where we used to play music go lay flowers in the door go for lay us. flowers in the door for us after that um gabe maline the the popular subject of this podcast um caught me and i mean it was like the day after or something because yeah because he left shortly after because the cops came the cops came oh, to not cops like he's wanted or anything but yeah. the cops came to shut down the show and he's like well this is over and he, he left and he says like you know like i was gonna leave not because i don't love you guys but because like i've seen you a bunch and like i had to get home and i think no he he went into his baby. Maybe he had his baby at that point. Yeah, Anyways, the police were coming. Yeah, he's like, you know, I was, I was getting late. I'm an old man. I got to go to my job. And he's like, but, you know, I heard you guys start playing and I couldn't leave. And that was great. That was a, a big moment yeah. for me. That show and then Gabe afterwards. Yeah. We've referenced his article about you a couple of times. He said when he's watched you guys play, he like feels in pain watching it. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? I, I, can, I can sympathize with that. When me I too. saw Sigaros at Coachella a couple of last two years year, ago two years ago I I could totally feel that like like this just internal tension where it was just like boiling over and I even like kind of had this like crazy experience like almost like this drug high from feeling so intense and involved in the music and just like struggling internally and feeling mm-hmm. so many different emotions come up it was really cool so I can I can totally sympathize with that. It was a total breakdown. I've never felt so good in my life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You and go. you know, we're, we were very loud, and mm-hmm. that honestly, like, I don't think that music can be heard quietly because of the volume of it, like, physically is supposed to move you, and mm-hmm. it, like, it just like physically, like the sound waves are. Mm-hmm barraging your body <laughs> paul wails on the drums and like ian would play through like two guitar amps mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. and it lauren wasn't enough would, yeah and it wasn't enough and like <laughs> i had just this huge bass amp and lauren would just try her darndest to keep up with us <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we, lauren, we need a we need bigger. a bigger amp for you this amp's taller than i am like yeah. yep you need it <laughs> and then they would make fun of me for not carrying anything out after the shows and i'm like you guys i cannot physically move this as big as you are <laughs> i mean going back to the topic that you brought up earlier about like idolizing all these these public figures and music in the in the in the you know in the, in the local scene like i grew up watching these people play and and idolizing them and then i started becoming their friends and it was so surreal and i would if if you told you know 13 year old ian that he'd be friends with judah and josh and sarah sanger and all these all these figures in music i'd be like i mean i'm sure he'd tell me that i was full of shit mm-hmm and I, I think that's really cool that I ended up becoming a part of this special community of musicians. And I think that each generation sticking around is what has made this be such a fertile yeah. ground for it. I think if everybody just played until they were 20, 21, and then you know, got married right. and quit mm-hmm. playing music, I don't think you would see yeah. the roots that you have. Mm-hmm. And you also have eccentrics who run buildings and things. Well, who isn't uh, an eccentric who's sitting I mean, at this table? All, yeah. at this table? No. We're all eccentrics, but I just mean <laughs> it's, it's, it's a community of eccentrics which causes a fertile ground for creative growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that you asked, like, is every community like this? I don't think every community is like it, no. Huh. And I think we're in the perfect storm of, like, relatively uh, economically secure. I mean, I know every, different people have different things, but if everybody was... You know, if this was the Depression era, nobody would be having bands. You know, everybody would be worried about how am I going to feed my kids or myself. You know what I mean? So we're lucky in yeah. that way. And back then it was like big band, so it's much harder to get a group <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jazz train. We don't have a clarinet player. I, 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 think, I think it's just, I think our area is like the perfect storm of like a- a- economics, culture, people, and everything. I, I think it's great. It's a good place to, like there's places to be a band also I think is very important places to practice like lots of open yeah. spaces and b- buildings that like don't have close neighbors yada 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 yeah. venues like the phoenix has been here forever literally forever i think that's a very important thing places to play the bassist in, in no sir his name's cody sullivan I've, and i value his his artistic perspective and every time we play a show he would say all the freaks to the front to me, I, that means a lot to me because you kind of have to be a psychopath to play music or, or be creative in any sort of community. 
<laughs> I mean, we do this and I, we've not the reason why I never made money ever. <laughs> and we would go and spend all this money on tours and we did it because we loved it. Mm-hmm. And we weren't really, ex- we weren't, all we wanted was to move somebody and to get a reaction mm-hmm. out of people. And we're freaks and anybody who enjoys art or music is a freak. And, and I mean that in a, in the most positive loving way possible. Yeah. It's been a recurring theme on the show that, and everybody's response to that when asked like, well, why is because that's the only way that I know, mm-hmm. you know, imagine life without it. You might be dead. I could. Yeah. I mean, you I talk, wouldn't you talk I, about the despair and anxiety and depression that you've mm-hmm. had and how the band helped you get through it. You know, without a tool like the band, your version of Jesus, maybe yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see what the alternate reality would look like, or maybe mm-hmm. not interesting. Maybe I wouldn't be, be, I definitely wouldn't be myself right now if I didn't have music or the friends that I have listened to and shared music with. And that's what I think is most profound about not to reason why the four of you would not be the people you are now without this band. I totally agree. agree. The people you've met, the friends you've made, the relationships that you have uh, gotten. It's, it's incredible. I wouldn't know you guys if not for your work and not the reason why. I mean, the entire social networks that you have, do you think that you would be playing in the punk bands you've played in? Absolutely not. Trebuchet wouldn't be a thing. I've been in, sorry, all the, all the punk bands that I've, that I've been in or, or all the punk shows that I attend and people, people recognize me for is because of not to reason why right me too i mean and 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 interesting enough like i don't know if it was just my fault but we ended up playing a lot of punk shows it was actually a rare occasion that we played a show where it was just other instrumental bands because that's boring boring. Boring. so boring by the time that we got to play it was like i don't want to listen to this anymore i don't want to listen to to play it and i don't want to do this but the punk community was very welcoming to us Mm -hmm. and uh they that we always had positive feedback from from them and they loved it and i don't know i guess maybe it was something new for them because i mean there wasn't really a lot of instrumental rock bands in in this area it was something new and it was a good culture and community for ourselves to get plugged into because you would sit without the band you'd still be on the other side of that stage. And like this world of people that you know in the indie music world, you would not have access to essentially. I mean, you'd still be a part of it, but it'd be so different. That sounds terrible. Yeah. I couldn't <laughs> tell you what I'd be doing right now if we weren't. Most of us, I mean, it was, we, what do we agree on? Seven, eight years in this band? Like that's most of our adult life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm doing that and it's band. most of our friendship i mean we yeah. were friends beforehand and we're friends now yeah but we'd probably be doing some really stupid boring adult stuff tom have you thought about what your life would be like if you had only spent a year at the phoenix oh like, the like year, it was the original anticipation? Yeah, like the original boy uh no you know what i can't even see it i can't even see it in <laughs> <laughs> that's strange it's like uh yeah it's like uh, the world had a different a plan for me already or something because uh yeah i really can't imagine what i'd be doing besides this yeah um if anybody wants to chime in my last question would be what has not to reason why meant to you what did the experience mean i think for me it was a big just like it was a big personal growth for me because i've always been like shy and like not wanting to, I know it seems weird, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, bef- well, I mean, I, I started to come out of my shell a little bit um, before, not the reason why, but just like showing how vulnerable I can be being into the music um, was a huge deal for me. And I just, it, it felt so good to just be up there. And that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm bashing the drums. It's just like, just such a huge release, release for me, like just going at it and like people got off on it too. And that like, stoked me out too so it was to me it was like part of my growth um in my early 20s to my late 20s um just being in a rock and roll band and having fun and being myself and people were into it and that feels good i loved it i wouldn't change it for anything basically just to know that i could influence like people i think a handful of times uh, people would come to me like oh you guys brought me to tears and to know that I could have that much of an emotional effect on somebody was very important to me. And it, even though there wasn't vocals in the music, it showed me that I had a voice on people's influence. And um, it helped me with my self-esteem. It helped me with my growth for sure. It was a huge growth zone for me. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say. I might cry, but I will say that um, I think not the reason why I changed the whole trajectory of my life because uh, I think I always, I mean, I've, I've been a musician for a long time. I played the piano for over 20 years. And um, 
I think I, and I always knew that I would do music in some way, but I never, uh, I guess I always viewed myself as probably a classical musician or a teacher or, which I do both of those things, but I never, I never saw myself as a rock star, but it's like definitely was something that was inside of me that I, I always wanted to do. I think everybody feels that way, to be honest. And so not the reason why I made that, uh, not only did it make a reality, out of that, you know, dream, but it, I don't know, because of meeting Ian and because of being forced into being, you know, in this situation that I was ultimately uncomfortable with, um, to start like really influenced me as an artist in my career as well, you know, and it's something that I miss a lot. Even now it's something that I struggle with as a, as an artist and as a musician who writes music now, it's something that I miss. I'm always like striving to, find that thing that not the reason why was for mm-hmm. me i guess for me it um i guess it like i guess it like solidified like yeah like this is what i want to do mm. like because it was like that first like little taste of like playing to be it was the old like first good band that i was in because mm. everything before that was rubbish <laughs> and like playing to a crowd that was like reacting and like f- giving you the feedback that you're looking for. It's like, oh shit, like this is the feeling that mm-hmm. you go mm-hmm. for. Like this is mm-hmm. it. And I guess kind of like Lauren was alluding, just like, like keeps you striving for more of that. Mm-hmm. And like, because of Not True Design, I'm like, I want to do music. Like there is no other option mm-hmm. than to do music. And uh i think for me like it's helped me like see this country also was a big one mm-hmm. because of our tours like mm-hmm. when i was just gonna sound this is a white people problems right here when i was a kid we like went to europe on trips <laughs> <laughs> and so you know and i like and you're not so, even white i'm not even white technically <laughs> caucasian um um like you know we went to europe on trips and like i saw spain i've been to cyprus like who's been to cyprus <laughs> this kid um the prince of persia that's the who. prince of persia has been to cyprus and um like those were my trips as a child and like other than that like i'd been to new york once and i hadn't been out of this state within this country and because of this band like i saw the northwest a bunch and we like I've been to Las Cruces, New Mexico. Oh my so god! Yeah, I don't recommend it. We blocked that uh, from our memory, but it was great. Like we, I remember like we had a show. We we're supposed to like play a show in El Paso. We got to El Paso. It's like, let's keep driving. <laughs> Stuff like that. It gave me a lot of just life experiences that I would not have had because I'm not a risk taker <laughs> at mm. all. I'm mm. very. I play it very safe, and like I don't like going in the water. Like I don't like I don't like the outdoors. Like it's hot and there's like, flies and a mosquito might bite like me and I might get malaria. Yeah. So yeah, like it like put me who, who doesn't out. like sand? I okay, a big one. I didn't like using public bathrooms before going on tour. Well, you That's still don't, no one really likes to. it. But I, like I would <laughs> but you would drive home. I would drive home. Yes. I'd be like, I gotta poop. I'm going home. Party's over, guys. I'm out of here. And now no problem. Dude, I don't. Anywhere. No one likes it, but like, right there, now, like now I do it. it. Yeah. yeah. And we like shot guns with like a oh restaurant owner in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Oh, what yeah. a story that is. How'd that go? So we go to this place called The Hitching Post in Arizona, yeah. Texas, and we sit down. I'm pretty sure the guy who owned the restaurant was also our, our waiter. Yeah. And also the cook. And, and also, also the, the cook. And yeah. he was like everything. And um, Greasy <clears throat> apron. Yeah. It comes up cap. that we're from California and he... And he goes off on this, he gets on a soapbox about gun ownership and how every American should own a gun. And then it got brought up that none of us had shot a gun. And so he was like, well, let's just go out back. And, and he's like, like uh, I'll shut down the restaurant. We can go out back and so you can shoot my gun. shut down the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, and then he was like, actually, we're not going to do that. Let's go down the street. And then when he told me that, I'm like, oh my God, we're going to go down the street and he's going to murder us. That's what we gonna, We're in, all in the gonna, van on the way. Like we have no idea where we are. some weird dirt road. Yeah. So we're following him on this weird dirt road. I don't even know why we decided that was a good idea. Well, we're behind him. I was like, okay, like if, if there's no shooting range, we're just, we're turning around and we're going, we're out of here. 
Yeah. And so we get to the shooting range, and he gets out of his truck, still wearing his apron. It's all greasy. Wow. Pulls his handgun out of the like out of the seat next to him. Seat, and there's like a dude there already with a 50 caliber sniper rifle. Sniper rifle. And they they greet each other. He's like, "Hey, Jimbo, I forget his. I think maybe the guy's name <laughs> probably was Jimbo. Jimbo. These are the guys I called you about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we get out, and he gives us his Colt 45, and we we all take shots yeah. into the dirt. <laughs> And the yeah. guy there, the old guy who was sitting there by himself with a shooting range, I'm doing air quotes, shooting range, he was sitting at a bench and a table, like, you know, picnic table, mm-hmm. basically, and the gun was propped up on the table, and he wasn't even holding the gun, he was just pushing the trigger and just going... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he was so old. He couldn't even hold it up. It's too old. <laughs> and that was, I mean, of course, of course, the first time I shoot any of us shoot a gun is in Texas. Try finding that in Europe, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Mom? Yeah, <laughs> ain't gonna get that in Cyprus. I'll tell no. you what. Uh, is there anything else anybody would like to add before the conclusion of this broadcast? Oh. Anything? We can always do future mm. ones, but you we know, love pre- each other. Yeah. Yes, I think that's yeah. important because sometimes people either who knows take a hiatus we don't know (laughs) or break up i don't know what it is that's important though so as individuals even despite seven to eight years playing together you emerge still loving each other yeah absolutely absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah so many bands play together that long and they say well the experience was great but i never want to see you again yeah Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's uh that's a short-lived thing i've seen that happen with a lot of, of young players coming through here and and uh that doesn't last very long when the band breaks up there may be some animosity but i i think everybody ends up finding their way back together at least as friends mm-hmm. oh yeah so, yeah well it's it's good, you know, and it'll give uh, some hope to those hardcore Not Your Reason Why fans <laughs> out there. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Do you know what's going to happen? Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. This is like the end of Pleasantville. Yeah. I don't know. We don't close doors. We leave options open. Mm-hmm. Does that sound agreeable to everybody? Sounds great. You know what? I would like to say really a good reason. I just, somebody I cannot speak highly enough of, really why, a, a good part of why we're here, Connie Hale. Connie Hale. Yeah. <laughs> I... Love 100% the reason one. I'm here. <laughs> well, uh, 50%. What I'll say oh, on not <laughs> what I'll say on not to reason why is not to reason why my relationship with that band long predates my friendship with you four. You were a great band and you were thought of as a great band and you're still thought of as a great band. Yeah. And you guys did strike a moment uh, in this building that I will never forget. Absolutely. That's awesome. And the likes keep rolling in. And the likes keep <laughs> rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> So, you mentioned Connie Hale. I, I did. <laughs> Would you guys like to try for an impromptu uh, play us out moment? To play us out? What is it? What, the, what is it? To end it, you know? Uh, you know, some way to uh, maybe jingle us out. Oh, we need thing. you guys to write us a play us out jingle eventually. Yeah, you know, oh, we do need to. You know, the show's ending. And how do we commemorate the show ending with two uh, iconic jingle writers? If you can't do it on the spot. This was on stage with Jim and Tom. <laughs> this was on stage with Jim and Tom. This was on stage with Jim and Tom. Listen to the harmony. This was on stage with Jim and Tom. And Tom. And Tom. And Tom. And Jim. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. Bye. Thank you.